0: A quick disclaimer the thoughts and opinions expressed on the doored up podcast are strictly those of the hosts and guests of the show and do not reflect official policies or viewpoints of any law enforcement government or public service entity nor is the doored up podcast officially affiliated with said agencies the doored up podcast contains mostly true stories told by the law enforcement officers firefighters emergency medical services personnel military veterans and first responders who lived through them some names and details may have been changed to protect the anonymity of persons involved Realize that some listeners may be familiar with these stories, and we would encourage them to refrain from commenting with any clarifying details that might violate that anonymity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? It's Drew. I'm your host on the DoorDuck Podcast. This is episode two I'm joined tonight. We we're supposed to have a couple co-hosts, but they couldn't make it, which is no big deal. But I'm joined tonight by one of my friends from years ago that we worked together. His name is Scott.
1: Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I missed that. It's okay. We're,
0: we're learning as we go here.
1: Right.
0: Alright. So, yeah, like I said, this is episode two. My name's Drew. We got Scott with us tonight. We're doored up, having a beer, and we're telling some stories. So um scott works with me uh the same agency that we've been at both together for i've been there for 15 years scott's been there for one year more than that um but scott's unique in that he's been uh assigned at the detention center and been working there for his entire career walking the floor so and then some time before that but we'll get into all of that here in just a minute so everybody welcome scott to the show glad to have him thanks for coming Hey, no problem. I appreciate it. Scott Scott's a little nervous. He's never been on a podcast before,
2: right? Who wants to hear me? People I talk to don't want to listen. So <laughs> that's what your wife said. But I says
0: do have some run. goddamn good
1: stories. <laughs> that's why you're here.
0: That's why you're here. So done sixteen years with our office, and how many years before I did that?
2: Five in a prison in a different state. In a different state, the maximum security. Um, specialized in young violent offenders for the most part. Okay, so didn't do any law enforcement until then. Hated the job I had. Dude that I worked with said, "I'm going to work the prison." I'm like you can do that? I thought that was an <laughs> appointed position or something from the governor. He's right. Like, Just go online and apply, and we did, and we both got hired. And okay. Started my law enforcement career at the tail end of law enforcement, which is corrections. Right and i did 5 years there and then moved out here and got a job with a local sheriff and mm-hmm. been pushing inmates in the county jail ever since What
0: were you doing before you got into law
2: enforcement Uh manual labor just breaking my back <laughs> And i'm like anything specific or just Anything I could that paid the Anything bills. Paid the bills. <laughs> I mean, I lumped trucks, I did order picking, that was the job that I hated. Like I prayed for a car wreck on the way to work. I hated <laughs> that job so much. I did factory packing plants.
0: And you're originally from Louisiana.
2: Um partially.
0: Partially. You're from all over. Right. You're from many different places. Exactly several different backgrounds yeah but I, you you wound up in the midwest
2: i well i started in the midwest then went to louisiana and then now we're in the mountain west
0: okay okay and just for the listeners um scott was one of my one of the first people at our agency to really kind of take me in when i started there and was a young pup like i i didn't know anybody uh on my crew that i was assigned to and i think we had nine or ten people on the crew then Maybe 10, somewhere in there. Um, and you know, 10 people, including a sergeant, a corporal, and I think we had somewhere around 300 inmates at that time, some right close around 300 Between when I started.
2: 70 and 300,
0: yeah, that was that was constant count for the first several years I was there. And uh, Scott and his wife really kind of took me in. I, I've been the unofficial godfather to, <laughs> yep, to baby his boy. To I his tried ba- to
2: get him to come here, but he. Yeah, he that would have been a good time. Old war stories. Well, <laughs> well, he's not old enough to drive yet,
0: but. Well, he's <laughs> close. That makes me feel old because I was there. He's I think Because I was the first non-family member mm-hmm. to come visit after yep, he was born. That's Uncle why Drew. I was. I was uh I was gifted the title of unofficial godfather, and it's been that way ever since. So.
2: Yep, he turned fourteen last week.
0: Yeah, that, that tells me that I'm getting up there too that's mm-hmm. how that's i don't see it when i'm looking at my own kids right you know but when i look at other people's kids i'm like man i feel old
2: well it's like watching kids grow up on facebook you yeah know? it's like well and then you see them in real life and you're like wait a minute now yeah well summer that tall
0: <laughs> summer before last i was working fair because oh. i have to go put on a uniform and mm-hmm. go work fair in the summer it's my penance for every bad thing i've ever done in life. <laughs> And I ran into your daughter, and I was like, "When did you grow up?" Because she's right. like, yeah, "I'm like senior year in high school, yeah, getting ready to. I'm taking college classes and blah blah blah. I got a job and yep. all this stuff I was like it all grown up.
2: You're just you always
0: be a little pug to me. <laughs> yeah, she was like, "Don't call me that in front of my friends." I was like, "Oh well, I might as well be your dad. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do?" Right. So you did tell me. I mean. I used to love hearing your prison stories because
2: they still apply.
0: Yeah. And it was very quickly I learned that you had experience in a lot of ways. Like I was just fresh back from a year in Iraq when I started right. there. So my experience in the military and everything was different than, you know, walking into the jail the first couple days. And just being like, I am so far out of my element right now. I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I want to have my back to the corner every time. And you were like walking through the pod. You're playing cards. Like, yeah,
1: they frown on that, but well, I don't care. But your
0: attitude about <laughs> it was, I well, mean, you, you were still vigilant, you, you still, know.
2: You, they, you still have to treat them like people. And like our lieutenant, when we started, oh, yeah. told me my biggest hurdle is going to be learning the difference from prison, which is sentenced inmates, right. and detention,
0: which, which is, is
2: well, it's everything. You have feds, you have right state guys that are awaiting trial or in trial, mm-hmm. sentenced inmates to the pen that are waiting for transport, right. sentenced inmates to county time for stupid misdemeanor stuff, and pre-sentence detainees, which... Technically, they're not free because they're incarcerated, but they haven't been found guilty on any right. said crime. Yeah. And you just, and even in prison, you know, they're all convicted. Right. So, brass tacks, if they're going over the fence, you sling lead. And You right. don't care if they're a <laughs> bad check rider or a murderer. Right. It's, you treat them all the same, which right. is easy. But you still have to treat them like people. You right. Know? And like, this guy, he was, I don't know, maybe five or six years older than me as an inmate in the prison I worked at. Mm-hmm. And this is what he told me, and I took it to heart, and he had a 40-year sentence. Cool. So he was maybe 28, 30-ish, mm-hmm. maybe. Right For now. what? I don't even know what he did. Okay. I mean, whatever gives you 40 years. Right. And um, he had eight or 10 down, so he was young when he caught his big number right and he told me you got to make a life for yourself in here Mm -hmm. you can't you know when you're doing that big of a stretch you know he goes you this is your life you have to accept it and make it your life he goes I go to work just like you he had a job at one of the best jobs as a state prisoner can get in my state as a woodworker okay I worked a wood shop and they built office desks for, and then the state would buy them from us. To, oh, okay. You know, furnish their office buildings. Sure. You know? And then um, he goes, I go to work like you do. I work eight hours a day. I go to the grocery store like you do because we had an open store. An open commissary. Yeah. yeah. So if you had money on your books, you could go in there and order what you want, get it right there. You didn't have to wait for delivery or anything like that. And right. He goes. I do recreational. I do volunteer work. He volunteered as a, um. Basketball referee. Okay. During basketball season. Sure. I mean, we had a basketball season in prison, and they had teams, and they went through the whole. You know. Sure. You know, he volunteered and did that. He didn't get paid for it, you right? Oh, and so, and that's what he said. You have to make a life for it. About the only thing I can't do that you can do is get women and drinks, right? You can and, get and smoke you, in my was, prison, though. I was going to say, you probably get, I mean, if <laughs> you can get drink, it's just. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. but socializing is not like it is on the outs, obviously. Sure. You're, it's not like you can go to the bar or go to a, I mean, you can go to a, you can't even go to a different housing unit. So if everybody right. lives in a different housing unit, you guys hang out outside on right. the yard or the, we got a compound and a yard, but. So, were they allowed to, like, mixed on yeah. um,
0: rec yard? Okay.
2: So, it was basically a circle of buildings, and inside the circle was the compound. Okay. And so, they could come out of their units during gates and doors, which was about every hour. It is cutting out. nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and they can go where they need to go, and then if it was, like, library or... Um, clinic, They had to have a hall pass, basically, that okay. they got issued. Sure. So they could go to the clinic or go to the library or go to the wherever they needed to go. Sure. But if it was the compound or the big yard, as long as the door's open, you can come and go as you please almost. okay. So, yeah, if their buddy was in a different pod, they could mingle or whatever on the compound. Sure. And then when the big yard was open, they go out there and we had... A football field, a baseball diamond, sure. basketball courts, so a walking-slash-run track. Okay. Have weights and all that, too? Um, they did have weights. That was separate of the big yard. It was the weight pile, and it was a smaller enclosed area outside. Okay. Enclosed, meaning fenced. Right. Because I know some some places <laughs> have done away with that completely Well, different my, in time. The prison I worked at has done away with it since I've left there, and they have, it's on the compound again, because originally the weight pile was on the compound, but then they moved it away because it's too many people. Okay. And so you can only let like 25, I think, at the time into the weight pile. Right. And they're, like I said, they're fenced in. That's all they got to do. Right. Where when it was on the compound, you could see a dude at the store take a weight, go over there and slug him up with right. And, um, I had a Lieutenant, he was walking the yard and a guy didn't like him and took a barbell after him. Shit. Well, Lieutenant was tough son of a bitch. (laughs) He took the barbell from the guy and whooped his ass like back in the day. Right. And so shortly after that, they took the weight pile off the compound, but then they brought it back and it's all cable weights. There's no free weights at all. Sure. And then, like, when we did have free weights, there was nothing less than, like, 25-pound. Okay. So, like, the dumbbells were all welded together, you know, with the little two-and-a-halves all the way up to tens to get your 80-pounds or whatever-ish. It was welded together. You couldn't get a 5- or a 10-pound disc because that's what everybody was using to, you know, boxcar people and shit. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, I saw a guy... Had to take him to the hospital. He was lifting those dumbbells, and like I said, they're like a you know old school Olympian where it's fat weights in the center, all tapered down, Ronnie Coleman style. Yeah. And he laid it down. He was doing chest flies on the bench. He laid it down, and it rolled, or when he dropped it, it bounced and it pinched his finger off between the weight, that dumbbell, and the one that was sitting there. And he just comes in to turnkey. And he's like, I pinched my finger off. He's <laughs> calm, cool, collected. I'm like, what? And he's got it, you know. <laughs> well, and it's like, well, if it was after clinic, because clinic was like seven to three. Right. And there's no doctors or nurses. You have to go to the next prison, which was connected kind of like our jail. And okay. That
0: is. Right. The,
2: we, so we, just for
0: viewer reference, we have... Our adult detention center, then we have a juvenile detention center that's attached down
2: a... Via tunnel? Yeah, via tunnel. It's in the basically on the same property. And that's how my prison was with the next prison. Okay. And the other prison was a 90 to 160 day diagnostic evaluation. Okay, so it's like the fish tank. Yeah, so they figured out what you did, where you're going to go, what programming you need, okay. what prison best suits your whatever and right then you get shipped off to big boy prison we called that triple a okay that <laughs> one you weren't yet in the majors you're still in triple a but right. you're getting called up soon you know yep. and like okay. i call the jail we work at would be triple a you know, okay big um jails for the community or the state i would call triple a because okay you're going right you're going to the majors if you spend any time in those jails. Yeah. You know, smaller jails. Yeah, you could go to the majors, but that shit's, you know, 12 beds. What do you Right. Who are you going to keep in a 12-bed jail? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Well, I've like over <laughs> the years
0: cuz I did 6 years up there. Well, well minus a, eight. Min- minus a year on deployment. <clears throat> so five technically of actually working the floor, but I got one for free. And uh it wasn't free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing's so, free. Um, I don't know how many, you know, in the time that I, because I did contract work for a federal agency that does court security. Yeah. And inmate transports. I can't be any more specific. I can be more specific than that. But if you know, you know. Anyway, I did contract court security for those guys transporting federal inmates. And, you know, we'd take them to court. We'd sit there right. through their trial and everything. And then just generally interacting with those guys, talking to fed inmates, and they'd be like, man, no shit. This is our county jail that we have. And they're like, this is the hardest time I've ever done.
2: Oh, jail time anywhere is harder than prison because in yeah. prison you get more freedoms. Yeah. You get, have less rights because you're convicted. Right. You know, the whole innocent until proven guilty thing that they talk about. Right. Right. Once you're convicted, your rights do get slimmed down. Mm -hmm. But once you get to a prison, your freedoms open up. Like I said, this guy, he had a job. He could come and go and he's pleased out of his house between the hours of, I think it was seven in the morning is when the first gates and doors ran. Okay. And then we locked him down at 845 at night. And so was your whole, the whole facility was max? Um, it was classified as medium maximum. Okay. But like I said, the majority of our population was young violent offenders. So you right. got your bangers, your, you know, just we had a kid in there, and I was brand new, never did this job before, right? On OJT week, on the job training from the academy, because we went to our own academy, and then they shipped you out to a prison. So did you did you work before you went to OJT through your academy? No, you were just at the okay. academy, just classroom shit for seven weeks or six weeks okay and then you did a ojt week and then you did your finals week back at the academy which is all the testing and firearms okay so ojt week you're just a fng right or less than. Right. No badge, no <laughs> name go. tag. Yeah, you got the uniform. Like and you just here's sh- here's, <laughs> here's whale shit. And, you gotta, and look you, you, you gotta look up to see that. <laughs> yeah. And then um this one banger's like, I'm doing fifty five years. What are you gonna do to me? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody no nobody? The dude I'm shadowing, he didn't have an answer, I ain't got an answer, and then this other guy and he's Built like a silverback gorilla, he's mean mugging me like I took his chicken dinner or something, right. you know. And I'm like, what the fuck did I get? How did this dude talk me into this shit, right. you know? Like, I'm not, I'm just starting, I'm not getting paid <laughs> enough for this shit. Right. Yep. And so later, the dude that was built like a silverback gorilla, I found out was a PC case and he couldn't find his way out of a <laughs> wet paper bag. He was all. You know. Right. Intimidation. Right. After that, tears. Yep. You want to hear a good story about him? Sure. So he's <laughs> in protective custody, which is also known as PC. Right. And at the prison I worked at, they had to be surveillanced constantly. They couldn't go to the library at gates and doors. We had a special time set out for them. So Same with central dining. Direct supervision. Well, direct supervision. Yeah. As they go through the prison. Right. So he's going to Central Dining, and we post up through the hallway and watch the crowd go to Central Dining, and they get their 20, 25 minutes to eat, and then they heard back, and we were posted up throughout the hallway watching them. hmm And you could shake down a convicted inmate any time you want, right? <laughs> right. Like, we had quotas. Okay. I don't, it shouldn't be called quotas, but if you're on the yard, you had to shake down 10 inmates a shift. Okay. So random, just like, Hey, you you. (laughs) luck of the draw, (laughs) you know, and during the summer I would set up a, what what they call the speed trap on the (laughs) walking trap on the big yard, on the track. Just flag them over when they walk by, shake them down, get their name and inmate number and send them on their way, you know? And then in central dining, you're supposed to shake them down as they leave randomly. Right. And that's not supposed to count as your quota shake town. Okay. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> anyway, this guy, he's got a pullover with the pocket, you know, the kangaroo pocket. Right. And they could buy those from the store. Mm-hmm. They're just gray. They're not affiliated or anything. They're just sure plain Jane. And, you know, I don't know what tipped me off to he has something. I'm pretty sure it's crinkling of plastic. So I told him, shake down. He assumes the starfish position, and I go to shake him down, and he pulls that stuff out of his pocket, and he's holding it. And I shake him down again and turn around. And, you know, he keeps moving his pocket around so I can't get to it. And I'm like, okay, game's over. (laughs) I'm on to you. You got something. (laughs) What is it? You're caught. You're caught. He's like, it's fish sandwiches what it's just a couple of fish sandwiches (laughs) i'm like you can't take that shit out of central dining cough it up he's mad and like i said he built like a silverback gorilla right and i'm like but i knew he was a pussy (laughs) (laughs) which ojt week i didn't know that about this cat right he takes these fish sandwiches that are wrapped up in some cellophane or something you know right Whatever they can get. Right, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just touchdown spikes it right up my feet and s- storms off, right? He goes into his unit, slams the door. I go tell my lieutenant. And by the time I talked to my lieutenant, the housing unit staff had called up. He's being an asshole. He needs to be removed. Right. Okay. So he's going to the hole. He going to at least holding in for a right. cool-off period.
0: Mm-hmm but because that's a lot different in prison world when you to the hole
1: yeah
2: and so and our hole was under the prison we had to (laughs) pump sunshine down there so you get your hour out you know what i'm saying it was garden level okay like if you tiptoed in the cells you could see outside okay if you were short and you're fucked (laughs) <laughs> so much for your vitamin d right <laughs> you get it from your diet so anyway me and this lieutenant go down there and we hook him up and he comes and we're taking him to holding and he's pouting and you know how they slow walk you and try to yep. pump the brakes when you're escorting them and my lieutenant ain't having that old school doubles him up cranks him over this lieutenant was like five four <laughs> with a flat top you right know? and um just built like a fireplug, mm-hmm. but this dude built like a silverback gorilla. And um, he lets go of him, and then they're talking. He's The inmate's half crying, half talking, half yelling. The lieutenant is just reaming him. Mm-hmm. And as this inmate talks, some spittle flies out of his mouth <laughs> onto the lieutenant. And this lieutenant racks back like he's Rocky Balboa. <laughs> And this dude is in cuffs behind his back. Right. And this is why I say, I don't care who you are. You will fit in one pair of cuffs. (laughs) Because this dude was twice your width in the shoulders. Right. And that lieutenant got him in one pair of cuffs to start with. (laughs) Anyway, lieutenant rocks back. Cocks, locks. I step in between them. I'm like, look, dude. You either walk down to holding or I'm just going to push this button. Five dudes dressed just like me going to run <laughs> down this hallway. We'll drag your fat ass down there. <laughs> and he's in thinking <laughs> mode, right? Right. Like, uh, uh, how tough do I need to be today? And I've always said, and I tell all the new hires that'll listen, if they're doing what you tell them to do, don't care. What they're saying, what whatever. As You, know, you tell them to walk, they walk. You yep. tell them to sit, they sit. It's when they're not doing what you're telling them to do, they're thinking about doing something else. That's bad for us. Right. So he's there thinking about it. Boop. You thought too damn long. All ERTs, that's what we called them. Instead of, you know, in our agency, it's assistance to Mm -hmm. wherever. It's ERTs to wherever. Right. Because we had specific people. So not everybody ran because somebody has to watch the rest of the prison. (laughs) Right. It was a little bit more organized. Sure. They come flying down this one young buck cop, <clears throat> he catches his boot on the freaking door pin. Yeah. Um, hole or whatever in the floor so you could pin the doors. Yeah. Superman's about six feet.
1: <laughs> this guy's just <laughs> sitting
2: here, watch this new. He pops up, and we drag that fat ass down to holding, end up cutting his clothes off with a hook knife, going to the hole, <laughs> staying in the hole for a couple months, just cried the whole time. <laughs> Over a fish sandwich. Over two fish sandwiches. <laughs> two fish <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> well, he's more mad that I caught him, you know, right. and it just goes to show you that vigilance, diligence, whatever you want to call it, if you're paying attention, you'll find that stuff. Right. And they think they're slick. hmm And I probably had four or five, oh, was I on graveyard? No. So I probably had three or four years in at that time. Right. And you ain't slick. Right. You know? And I would tell rookies we would be doing Central Dining at the exit tour. Shake that guy down. Why? He got cookies. <laughs> Shake down, find cookies. How'd you know? I'm paying fucking attention, that's why.
1: And he's a fat
2: ass, and if I was a fat ass, which I am, I'd be taking cookies out of Central Dining too. These were five-star triple C's. I mean, chocolate chip cookies that you can sell for $6 a piece.
0: You know? So, for years, for, and I'm sure still to this day, any time that something is alleged that Scott may have been a part of that he wants to be no part of, he I will was, say, I was eating a cookie. I was eating a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I was eating a cookie. And I have used that off and on to, to mixed reviews and people look at you like you got a third head growing. Right. Like, well, nobody talking
2: could, about? They don't get the reference, obviously. Right. But, but again... It's something that's believable. Right. If, if a lieutenant or something was gonna question me and I said I was eating a cookie, oh, okay, I could see that. Now if I choked on a salad and died, nobody would believe that's how I died. You know, he had to die of a heart attack or stroked out. No, there's lettuce in my throat. You know. Right. It's the only time I let my people, my crew members wave my DNR at work. <laughs> if I'm dying at work, you don't let the nurses touch me, you let me go, my wife will be fat and happy, right? Yep. Yep. If I'm dying on salad, you better save me. The wish <laughs> they're not gonna pay that out.
0: They won't believe it. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I was eating a cookie.
0: Um I remember God it had to have been my first couple hours. I wanna say it was the first day that I started it was like, well, your training officer isn't here that day, so just ride with the corporal. Which at the time, I'll say his name because I can edit it out later, it was... Mm-hmm.
1: And, I know who uh, it was.
0: Yeah.
2: I know who your FTO was. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, yeah. So I remember it was me, him, and you, and we went into a walkthrough in D-Pod. And it was like one of the first times that I'd ever been in a pod full of inmates. Here I am... 22 years old, 5'8", 155 pounds, maybe 160. Well, you had gear on. I didn't have a vest.
2: No, none of us did
0: back then. Back then, none of us did, but (laughs) it wasn't even optional. Like I remember, side note to that, my mom took a picture of me in uniform before my first night of work. Because, yes, I lived in my mom's Mm -hmm. basement after I got home from Iraq. I had a rough patch going on. (laughs) And right when I started at the SO, I was living in mom's basement. And on my first night of work, she took my picture in my uniform. And I look back at that picture. And I'm like, man, how did I not just get my ass kicked every day? Every day. But anyway, so me, you, and the corporal walk into D-Pod. And we're, I can't remember if we were doing count or if we were just doing a walkthrough. But they were all locked down. And we're walking up the upper tier. And I remember you're like,
1: you smell that? I'm like
0: oh yeah what it was EPOD. And you're like come up here was it epod it okay was the top corner of e-pod before you went down that little alley that's right and you come like mm-hmm. he's like come over here boot and i come over there i'm like he's like what do you smell i'm like
2: somebody's smoking weed in here it's like yep i'm like holy shit and the corporal's yelling at us <laughs> yeah. because we're not doing whatever no we right. need to come over here <laughs> i'm like, calling you over here right. because there's an issue yeah he didn't want to go up there and he's yelling at us i'm like yeah. Okay, you come up here. <laughs> yeah, and that was um
0: this guy that was going fed- getting indicted federally on a million and a half drug charges. Mm-hmm. Like they buried a f- like they buried him underneath the federal penitentiary. He's still Hopefully. there. Hopefully. Yeah. And the rumor is that he got 120 years in a federal prison for all of his stuff that he had going on. Bad dude. Anyway, him and this other guy somehow had gotten Enough weed to roll five joints from the pages of a little Mm handheld, you know, a pocket Bible. And I just remember being like, dude, you're rolling
2: J's with pages from a Bible? That ain't okay. I mean, I've done it before. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than graph paper or telephone book paper. (laughs) I just remember being like, well, how the fuck did he get it in here?
0: Like, well, there's like something something's wrong with what's going mm-hmm. on in here so my only estimation is that it must have been as a
2: turning or something I, I still can't figure out i don't know but i missed those in the strip search of the second guy yeah because he had two pairs of chonies on yeah and i took all of his clothes well they dropped him down the down the cell chase he no the second guy Yeah, He still had them on him. Oh, he did? Okay. And he had two pairs of underwears on, and they were in between them. Okay. And we were going to take all their clothes anyway, so I didn't even search them. Right. Because they were all... I don't think he was Because we found a lighter, too. Yeah.
0: Because he can't have smoke without fire. Mm -mm. And they're they're rubbing two fucking sticks together. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. You can do a lot with
2: toilet paper, but I don't think you can rub it together.
0: (laughs) And then, like, it had to have been in that same week, my first day, and we were on nights. I remember we started on nights. mm mm-hmm. It was February, 2006. And, first time I walk into D-Pod. It was D-Pod. I walk in there, and here's this guy that I went to high school with. And I walk in, he's like, holy shit, I used to smoke weed with that guy. And I'm <laughs> like, shut up. Uh, you know, petrified, not know mm-hmm. quite sure what to do. My T.O. looks at me, he's like, is that true? I'm like, it came out in my background. Man, like, I told him about it. Told him about it in the polygraph. Like, what are you worried about? It's not like I'm smoking a joint with him right now.
2: (laughs) That's one of the benefits of not being from this area. Yeah. Working a jail. For sure. Like back home, I applied at a jail, but it was a big city. So, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't from there either originally. I was from a smaller community off the beaten path. Yep. Moved to the big city, worked at the prison. Um, and they hired COs to work part-time at the jail to cover sure. overtime because it was cheaper to pay me regular time than to pay one of their full-time employees overtime. Right. And they didn't have to pay my insurance because I was part-time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, working in a small community and working with people that grew up there, I see it all the time. And I'm thankful. Yeah. That. And I, I don't
0: even, this isn't mm-hmm. even the same town that I'm from, but it's the n- biggest close. Closest large town to the town that I'm from, which right. was a one stoplight, you know, mm-hmm. Berg <laughs> <laughs> from another county, a couple of counties away. Three streets. One of them's a long driveway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it was not, uncom- it's still not uncommon for me to run into people that right. I went to high school with or that I know from there. But that was like, Oh, I was shocked. I didn't know how to handle that. Now it, it is what it is, but Yeah, is. I've gotten used to it, but I've, you know, was under so much pressure to like not fuck anything up. And here I walk into the pod and like,
2: holy shit, there's Drew. I smoked weed with that guy mm-hmm. for
0: years in high school. I, oh my God. <laughs> what am I, what about you know, what's my T.O. gonna think? And yeah, but
2: now you get these kids that didn't smoke weed in high school and they yeah. don't know shit from apple butter. That's so, I like, we were, we were
0: <laughs> chatting about, Scott coming on the podcast and we were talking about some of the, the new hires that we get in our agency. Cause now I'm in a position where I do the background investigations for the new people coming in. And that's, a, I talked about it in the last episode with Shannon. It's so the first question I ask those folks when they sit down in front of me, like, have you ever been punched in the face? And they're like, why would I have been punched in the face? No. Why? Like, why would anyone punch me in the face? I've never been hit in the face. I'm like, well, you might. <laughs>
2: you're gonna eat the first one after that it's it's up to you and like i told the guy and we were just for lack of a better term playing you know with right. an inmate we're just joshing around and i'm like i'll eat the first one after that you're gonna have a fat old white guy on you because i'm gonna floor you yep i i remember <laughs> it was i
0: mean i got a very distinct impression of you working with you that first couple of weeks because a it was like you're a rookie like You don't know shit about shit, so I'm going to treat you like that. But at the same time, I'm going to teach you a few things and talk to you. Right. And make sure that you understand what you need to do to keep yourself safe. Like, but other than that, you're kind of on your own and you got to learn it. You got to earn it.
2: You got to, I mean, you know, my brother does IT stuff and he's always hiring people and they Mm -hmm. have all these fancy degrees. And he's like, okay, that's great. This is what we do you know the degrees you have are pertinent to the job but have you done any work right well no I just, no i mean i've worked at my I, I did my mom's it at her grocery store right like i, I turned on the wi-fi on her ipad <laughs> yeah. you know he's like so you got to balance between experience that real world experience right because um client whoever's problem Probably doesn't fall exactly into a textbook issue, sure, or a classroom. You know how to fix the problem, but can you find the problem? Can you find it and fix it without fucking up all their other <laughs> shit? <laughs> right. That's where the experience right. comes in. So yeah, you, your your documents or your papers are great, but there's nobody telling you what the problem is. Mm-hmm. It's like a mechanic. What? Well, it's making a clicking sound on the right side. You know? <laughs> right. And, I mean, so, yeah, experience. But uh, I guess wh-
0: where I'm, what I meant is that I very quickly, like, watching you, just g- any time that you and a couple other senior guys that, like, you had experience in the prisons and then you came here, you and a couple others, another guy that we worked with at the time that he had prison experience, mm-hmm. and I would watch you guys when you'd go in and you'd interact with these inmates, like, A, the inmates that you had good rapport with that you'd been dealing with for months that have – been in county jail for a year or they're repeat offenders all the way up to new people that are coming off the street and booking watching you guys and the way that you would deal with those different scenarios and then you'd get those combative inmates that just like either the ones that just want to talk shit or the ones that are about it i would Mm -hmm. watch you guys very carefully to see how you handled that in your demeanor and i remember very distinctly you telling one guy one time I'll like, oh fucking beat the shit out of you like you know all talking shit about wanting to kick your ass and you were like you know you might win but you'll remember me for the rest of your life <laughs> right. and i remember you say <laughs> that i'm gonna and work a for it <laughs> i, I ain't
2: the toughest son of a bitch that walked the halls there but most of the tough son of bitches don't want to play right they don't want to mess with me yeah and i learned that pretty quick that and that's something that i think this newer generation doesn't understand is you have to learn from other people's experiences, mm-hmm. war stories or yep. watching them. Okay. This guy is volatile. How does a senior deputy or a senior CEO or somebody that knows him yep. deal with this guy? Because he's in general population, but he is kind of up and downy, Right. And. I could name a couple inmates and you would remember them and they were exactly <laughs> yep. like that, you know. Yep. And it's like this newer generation I don't think learns from either what we call war stories. Right. They just look at the glory part of it, which it's not glorious at all. No. It's work. Yeah. You know, a boring day for me is a great day. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. know, other people are like I'm so bored at my job. I live for a bored at my job right day because when it's not yeah it's bad yeah
0: you're I remember waiting into I mean it was everybody on the crew and then I turn around and there's some guys off the street from patrol that had showed up a couple times like we pulled shotguns out we had stingers out like I remember (laughs) I was brand new and my TO's like I need you to run up to book in and grab every set of leg irons you can get and so i run through you know out that door mm-hmm. down the hallway out two more entry of uh a sally port and then back up to booking and <laughs> sergeant was up there like fucking hurry up you know he's screaming at me i'm like
1: oh, i'm trying
0: i was like I'm oh, new. No, i don't know what to do
2: you like the guy in um saving private ryan run yeah. the ammo to run everybody exactly. and he's all draped over and he's the narrowest ass kid and exactly that's exactly more, what it was more like only, ammo
0: than ass only i'm not a pussy like I'm up him. So i I come back and I had like 40 sets of leg irons and I'm like, I got them on my arms. I got them <laughs> draped over my neck. They're dangling off my belt. Like anything I can hook them onto. And I'm just like, and then nothing. And there was one guy that we took out of the pod that night and that was it. But just that show of force. Like I remember turning around and being like, this is fucking impressive. Like these people are pros. They're good at their job. And right now they're intimidating as shit. <laughs> and that's pretty fucking cool. Well, you
2: know they frown on that too but then again that's what you pay me to do. Well, but at the time <laughs> like things were different back then. Like mm, yes and no. I mean,
0: to a it degree was. Like there was felt like fights this almost one, every day
2: in that part. This one federal agent that is in our area or was, he told me something that I took to heart. You know, cuz I'd worked I ran the yard. Sure. And he's like we don't get paid for what we do. We get paid for what we might have to do. True, and like, you know, I'll use my brother because I always call him up because I, you know, our shift work and sure. stuff. So I have Thursdays off. Right. I call him up middle of the day. What are you doing? <laughs> at work. What are you doing? I'm taking your son and my son. We're going shooting. You want to go? It's the middle of work day. <laughs> what do you mean? Do I want to go? Of course I want to go, but I'm at work. Right. It's one o'clock. Yep okay well me and your if your kid's not home that's why right <laughs> bye yeah you know oh and we're taking these guns and this ammo from your house bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know? but he's like what'd you do at work today he's like yeah i had a pretty bad day uh you know clients shit went down i was working on their stuff all day and pretty much have to wipe all their computers because they got a virus and I right. to rebuild them all what'd you do I had a strip search of guy that doesn't speak English. Like, I watched the guy shove a golf pencil up his ass. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs>
1: like, that was one of my
0: like <laughs> that first couple weeks that I was there, like walking by because we had this crazy dude up in medical. And we, we had like four or five cells at that time. Yeah, four. I think we had foreign medical and foreign And holding. I walk by and he's like, Hey rookie. We're like, stop. What? He like, bends over, pulls his pants down, <laughs> and shoves a golf pencil <laughs> up his ass. I'm like, uh, uh, like, am I supposed to stop him from doing that? Like, <laughs> too late. <laughs> what, I mean, you I can't stop
2: him. It. It's what after the fact now.
0: And then right in that, say, I mean, like, that first, because I think we worked a four-day. So, for everybody listening, we we used to work three-on-three-off, four-on-four-off. We worked 12-hour shifts. And then every month, we'd switch back and forth between days and nights. And I started on, I think it was a four day, on nights, and that,
2: that after that back. first, week. it was different back then because it was a little bit more banging, and yeah, we booked twenty people a night. Yeah, now we're lucky to book twelve. Right, but I remember
0: there. Were, I can't remember her name for the life of me. I have forever remember her face. This crazy old lady, and we had like we still got those uh, the shelves in medical like mm-hmm. that are bolted to the wall and it's like a a three-and-a-half, maybe four-inch shelf. It's about a foot long, and it was me and you, Kate and Sarge. And we go in there, and there's that crazy lady, and she's perched up on there sitting on it on her ass like a bird. (laughs) And she's screaming and yelling because she was tearing the cell up, doing something crazy. So I went over to nursing, and... Like, we open the door, and we're all standing there, and just like, well, what the fuck are you waiting for? Get in there and grab her, Rookie, and I'm like, what do, you, what do you want me to do with her? <laughs> like, I don't know shit about custody and control. Like, right. I've been in enough bare-knuckle
2: bar fights and, like, <laughs> you know, tuning it up with my brother that, like, you know. But that happened to me in prison. I started on graveyard, so you had no inmate contact. Right. It was locked down. Okay. They didn't open the door for hell nothing. You better be dying. And there better be verification that you're dying. (laughs) You know? Right. We'd open the kitchen workers at like 3.30. We'd let them out. So you'd have 15 inmates. That was your only inmate contact on Graveyard at the prison. Hmm. And this dude's been. Unless something went horribly, horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. So this dude is in there. And I think I was. Came off a graveyard. Did two years on Graveyard. Came off a graveyard. And. This dude's acting a turd, and he's all mm-hmm. bundled up in his coveys. Yep. And the sergeant, who's tiny-sized, mm-hmm. we open the door, and he's like, get him. Sick <laughs> him. What? We're taking him out of here. Get him. Right. And I'm like, what? You were like, what do you mean, get him? <laughs> All right. Rip the covers off, snatch this old crazy bastard up and right. yoke him up and take him wherever the fuck we're taking him, you know. Right. Probably holding or the hole. Yep. I can't remember what that guy did. But anyway. Yeah, the first time you're told to get somebody and you're like. You're like, like how much? <laughs> <laughs> like, and where? I mean, he's wrapped up in these covers right? tight, you know, like saran wrap. Yeah. You know, and they do that so you can't grab a limb, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like a dog trying to bite a flat hand. You just yep. don't have nothing to grab onto. And Well, that's like the first time that I
0: was in on anybody getting put in the restraint chair. Like, I never trained on it. Yeah, we like, do a lot more of that now. There was no, <laughs> like, it was like, just jump in there and grab a hold of whatever's kicking, mm-hmm. hold it down, and get the strap that corresponds to that <laughs> appendage and strap it down. And I remember you would always go for the head. Like, if you could, you were always going for the head.
2: Because it, like, in prison, we did better head control. Right. And we do now than we did back then. Because right. back then, when I started, nobody did it. Mm-hmm. Nobody they're all fighting appendages right. and midsections. Right.
0: Because they're trying to buck out of the chair. Yeah. So, so that I'm like, for anyone who doesn't know, like, if it, if it gets, like, it's the ultimate last resort, basically, of restraining an inmate. Um, it's this, there's several different types of restraint chairs. I think the old type chair they don't even use anymore. Um, but there's one that's. There's soft restraint chairs, and then there's hard restraint chairs that have handcuff attachments to them as long as hard and soft restraints at the same time. Um, Basically restrains that inmate so that they can't fight with you or hurt themselves or damage anything inside their cell. Um, And at the time, we had this hard restraint chair that was like you'd sit them down in there, and if they got any leverage at all, they could just fight with their torso and try to push their ass up at you. And just buck and buck and buck and kick and bite. And if you didn't have good control of their head, they could spit at you. That was mm-hmm. one thing that constantly happened. And like I would generally hear when Scott was on the head, you'd hear him load up, like, they'd <laughs> start hocking up this loogie. And Scott would like
2: just clamp over their mouth, like, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. again, you know coming from a different area to this place sure you take what you learned there and apply it here Mm -hmm. or you see stuff that's not being done and you're like well i hate to be that guy but back home we did it this way right it worked and um we're way better at it now than we were yeah back then because you know we have um a plan of attack that's right you know before it was one for all all for one get in there get something yep. Get this guy buckled down now yeah so now we've got the sort
0: team and it right. pretty much everybody's kind of trained on that level if i'm not mistaken to well it, everybody's to every degree. definitely
2: trained on proper restraint chair sure. application right <laughs> you know and some of the things that i've taught my corporal who has taught the rest of the jail sure as far as um four cell extractions, mm-hmm. how to get in, how to get out. Yeah. We kind of did some stuff on how to get in, but then after we got done, everybody just got up and left. And I'm right. like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. Right. That's not how it's done. Mm-hmm. This is how we should do it, or this is what I we did at my prison. And sure. And my corporal, like that, implemented it, brought it to the bosses and trains that now. Sure. And I, I think that the whole –
0: I would say that agency-wide, our entire agency has had, like, a, a healthy training mindset revolution in the last 10 years. Um. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Because before then, like, I remember just jumping in, and it was, like...
2: It's free-for-all.
0: Well, not just that, but it was anything. Anything. Like you were already expected to know how to do this when you got here. Like, didn't anybody tell you you're a fucking idiot? And it was like... Right. <laughs> well, and
2: then you go to the academy, and they train you whatever they train you in. It's sure. like, okay, that's great, but... Wait a minute. Is it that great? Sure. You know, and the stuff I learned from my academy, I still apply. You know, what whatever works for you, you're going to have your go-to move. Right. Right. And did you... So did you do...
0: When you came, moved to this state and you got hired on with our agency, did you have to do a
2: challenge course or did you do a full I challenged. challenge? Okay. And how long was that? A couple of weeks? Mm, seven days, 10 days maybe. Sure. And it was, most of them were half days. Okay. And that's just all, like you, you test out on. Well, you took the classes, like the law classes for the particular state. Mm-hmm. And then, because most states are. Most close. states most
0: states follow the constitutional amendments for the most part. So yeah. the ones that pertain specifically to like working in county jails are the fourth, eighth, and fourteenth amendments. So search then, and seizure,
2: cruel and unusual punishment and then But then there's state laws too that are not more restrictive, just whatever. Sure. They're pertinent to this state. Yeah. And so you gotta learn all that stuff. And so, yeah, we didn't do any um, practicums. It was all text. Okay. It was all lecture, test, lecture, test. And then you took the challenge test, which had nothing to do with anything. (laughs) I'm like, what? It was 140 questions, I think. Yeah. You know, and I don't even know how I passed it. Right. Because some of the questions were like, What's the number one gun rule? Safety. Well, I got four guys in front of me, and if you ask them what the number one safety rule for firearms is, I'm get four different answers right here. Well, you
0: might you might get three, three. I'd say three. You've got okay. Better this three. one
2: says muzzle control. Right. This
0: guy says trigger finger control. But it's essentially all the same rule, right? Because
2: you treat every gun as if it's loaded. That's the rule I go.
0: <laughs> right. That's what I was taught was you the know, first rule. Yeah.
2: The first rule, 10 commandments of firearm safety is treat every gun's loaded. No, right. Muzzle control. <laughs> oh, that's like two or three. Right. You know? So, again, it's those objective questions that if you didn't take the class, you don't know what answer they're looking for. Right. But I'd pass, so yeah. it didn't matter. Well, I so I came to our agency, and then I worked...
0: I got hired in February and I didn't start, like I got a temporary detention officer certification through the state as soon as I started, like basically sign the papers. Here you go. Like, and I walk out like, no kidding. It was me and tiny. We swore in together, mm-hmm. same day. And, uh, we go in there, swear in, turn around and walk out. And the under sheriff's like, Oh shit, wait, might need these. We come back in and he gives us our badges. It's like, oh yeah, I probably do need right. that. Is it the
2: plastic little junior right. one or is this? Oh, so this, no, this is the big boy
0: one. So it was <laughs> like, you know, go up to the jail and draw out your uniforms that you're gonna need. You know, okay, like completely clueless. And mm-hmm. I remember he had uh, like a big ass goatee at the mm. time, and that was before we had our beard policy. And they're like, Have uh, you seen him lately? No, but I'm sure it's, yeah. Yeah. But they were like, You know that you're gonna need to shave that down to the mustache, right? And so that was when I learned that under sheriff's facial hair policy, like he was, was his he, he was the <laughs> gauge, right? Yep. Like you could have your mustache as long, you know, your Sam Elliott mustache <laughs> as long as his was. If it was any longer then it was out of reg. Yeah. <laughs> so he
2: was the gauge to go by. So if you'd see him around like Oh, we're at, like, we got to take a half an inch
0: off. whatever it was.
2: Because our corporal that we talked about earlier, yep. when he saw him, he would cover his face if his was longer. Yeah. he had the walrus tusks. Yeah. And then he'd be like, oh, um, how you doing yep. there, Paul? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then the next day he would have that shit trimmed yep. up, like you said. Yeah. And that's, that's long before
0: I could even grow a mustache. I, I didn't still even, can't. Yeah. So. It's, you got to commit, man. That's what I've no, learned I with did. mustaches. I like, did it. That's the power of the mustache is a thing of its own. I (laughs) did it. I'm sitting at probably, I'm out of regs right now, but uh, as far as length, but it's, this is probably about the best my mustache has looked in a long time. It
2: is looking pretty mustachy.
0: Yeah. But I did it a couple years ago. It sucks with COVID and wearing a mask because mine curls into my mouth so Mm. bad. And then trim it up. No, I don't trim it up. I straighten it. No shit like it's an extra 10 minutes of my day that's the every gayest morning. thing you ever said
2: to me i
0: <laughs> put some work into my mustache to make it look presentable so i have like a straightening comb that's like a like a hot iron comb i straighten it every day and we, then i got to wax it we need to it. talk about something else now. <laughs> just i don't care the world can know it's not it's not natural drew went metro that's yeah it was worse when I had the the big beard when I was working dope. Mm-hmm. It was a lot more work then. I didn't even straighten that. If I just straightened that, I could have got, like, another two inches out <laughs> of it.
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> ZZ Top called they want their beard
0: yeah. back. But I, I very quickly, like, latched on and started picking up. I was the sponge when I got up there. Like, how do these guys do their job, do it well, and still interact with these guys on a daily basis because it's the same thing like you said they live here Mm -hmm. i'm in their world they're people right they're people at the end of the day there's 60 of them in a pod and i'm in here by myself i better be somewhat respectful and figure out a way to do business with these dudes
2: and like i tell new hires and i got a whole new hire speech that might need another (laughs) session or episode (laughs) or whatever but you know you have to treat them like people mm-hmm. you have to be respectful to a point you know yeah you're not bending over backwards for them or you're shying away from them or you know kissing the rings or whatever right. But you know the difference between me walking into a pod and what i'm gonna say a lesser deputy or new deputy mm-hmm. it's night and day yeah like if you watched from a perch or the tower mm-hmm. and you watched a new guy walk in by himself and watch the demeanor of the inmates that are out Yep. versus if me or another senior deputy walk in, it's, you get a total different atmosphere. Yep. You know, and what I've always said and I learned in prison, and this is what they told me is fair, firm, and consistent. If you're that, they know what to expect. Right if you're a loose cannon or you don't know what the fuck you're doing, they, you know, they don't know what to expect and they won't respect you. Yeah. Like they respect me and it's earned because they know what's coming. Right. You know, and if they don't, they're a punk and they're new and they'll figure it out (laughs) in two or three years. They'll be like that. That guy's a solid dude. Right. We didn't always get along when I first started coming here. I didn't like him. Yeah. Well, we had many
0: periods of throughout the years, and it was interspersed, but we had many periods where we did not get along. Well, I'm periods. talking about inmates. I know, not- <laughs> but I'm still I'm saying the same thing. And part of that is because right. like your personality is the same no matter what. Exactly. Whether you're walking through a pod full of inmates or we're just sitting here bullshitting, it's pretty much the same. I mean, you you switch it on a bit more when you walk into the pod. Like it's different. Well, you have to a little
2: bit, you right? Know, I mean. You, like I also tell new hires, if you're not an asshole in real life, don't try to be an asshole in here. Right. They'll see right through that shit. Mm-hmm. And, and then they go to their wives and cry because I'm an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> you know, well, they go to the lieutenant <laughs> and cry. <laughs> <laughs> we got this one guy and I like him and he's trainable. But like you were talking, you know, when you do interviews, you ever been hit in the face? So I tell this dude, you come from what I'm going to say is a civilian, civilized world. Sure. What you did before was not only mundane, but it was nice. It was, there was no danger, danger. there was no conflict. He's a non-confrontational person mm-hmm. that has probably never, dealt with true conflict right you know day-to-day life is conflict right you deal with that. but in this guy's life and profession before this he didn't have any like one of his customers ain't gonna tell him to fuck off right you know they're gonna sit in their chair and do what they do yeah which is what you want them to do because That's what we're here for, you know. That's what the civilization is. It's like if you were a dentist, you probably don't have to fight a guy into the chair. (laughs) You're just going to tell him if you don't want to go in the chair, don't go in the chair. I don't care, (coughs) you know. (coughs) So it's that kind of what I'm going to call civilization that people, especially nowadays, you know, if, you know, it's. Not the 60s. It's not the 70s. It's not the 80s. It's not even the 90s. You know, it's not the 40s. I mean, people are scared to fight because there's consequences. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to go to jail. Right. Which you're not supposed to want to go to jail. More people need to know that. (laughs) Jail is not a reward. (laughs) You know, it's like. Well, it's,
0: I mean, it's warm. It, right? it's warm when i'm cold outside so i'm <laughs> gonna break a window instead of three hots in a cot there was a guy when we were young men that would if he got cold he'd break a window on an alarm on a win- mm-hmm. somewhere that he knew there was an alarm and he'd just wait sit down and wait for the cops to show up say i'm cold take me to jail take me to jail yeah they'll feed me but yeah so let's so, so this I, guy. Do, I do i do a yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish that first, and then. So, I'll this.
2: you know, I tell this guy, it's not like, and again, I'm not tough. I never claim to be tough, not once, but I do have a sense of duty, right? And that overtakes my fear or uneasiness or whatever, and sure. I am confrontational. no if you're gonna say something stupid i'm probably gonna call you out on it yeah but again my nature isn't to fight you over it i'm just calling bullshit when i say bullshit you know but this guy he's never been hit in the face he's never had to have conflict yeah and so i'm telling you i'm telling him it's gonna happen yeah and you gotta deal with it Yeah. And again, a sense of duty and military people get that. I'm not military, but I still believe in it. I understand it. If you're getting your ass kicked, I can't be a pussy. Mm -hmm. I got it. My sense of duty is going to override that and do what needs to be done. Right. And so again, I'm not tough. I'm not trying to be tough. I never was tough. I've been, I'm married now, been Mm -hmm. married for a long time. I ain't got nothing to prove. Right. But. I do have a sense of duty that needs to happen to get the job done, whatever it is. If it's mopping water or whatever, right. it has to be done. Somebody has to do it. That's what they pay me to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. Okay. Do we get that? Yeah. Okay.
0: But So I do well, one of the things that I want to incorporate into the show. I call it Sage Advice. And you just like you knocked that out like a <laughs> hundred times I already. Got I got all have, kinds of sage advice. I don't even we have need to to ask a whole you episode for that. for that. And that's, I think that that is, without, I mean, without a doubt in my mind, a senior deputy's senior officer's duty. Like, you might not be assigned as a training officer, but every young deputy that walks in there, every young officer that encounters, goes on a call with you on the street, whatever it is, have, whatever your role is, they're watching you, and they're learning from what you're doing. Or Hopefully. They, or they fucking better be. <laughs> they fucking better be. Like I, like I said. I get hot about this, man. Like, I'll go to calls with somebody. Uh, it happened when I was, you know, I'd go on calls with PD guys. Shannon talked about it on the last episode. He's like, that's one of my things or sage advice. Like you, res- Like, I don't care who that guy works for. If he's senior to you and he's got experience and he knows what he's talking about, you shut the fuck up and you pay attention. You better learn something from it. Like if you if if nothing else, you learn what not to do. And I very right. I very quickly figured that out with my TO when I worked when I started at the jail. Was like some of the things that this guy does I don't like. I, I don't like re- i didn't respect that guy as a deputy well you know and it wasn't just him there was other people that we worked with that no it was there's like, people there now you know and it's it's anywhere in any line of work anywhere you go people can their only purpose in life is to serve as a bad example and right. i'm not saying that necessarily about him because i don't want to speak ill about him because he can't defend himself but there are things to learn from people and sometimes that's it you know, like, yeah, but
2: I like, like I was saying earlier, that. I think this newer generation, which is you know half our age, maybe, yeah, that are coming on, they don't get that like you did, right, and I'm glad I was there for you. Somebody was there for me when I worked prison, right, I mean, um, two guys come to mind can't you know, but um, <laughs> if they got nicknames, you can throw nicknames out there, no, oh, anyway, well. um. They took us under our wing. Sure. You know, and I learned a lot from, I learned more from those two dudes working solid weeks with those guys Mm -hmm. than I did eight weeks in the academy, you know, but this newer, for lack of a better term, generation, I don't know if they get that. I don't know if they get, Hey, this dude's solid. I'm going to not model my career, but I'm going to pay attention to what this guy does and how he does it. This guy's a jackass. I don't, I'm going to learn how he does it. So I know how not to do it is what sure. you're saying. But I don't, I don't know if the newer generation for the most part, you know, have that. Right. Cause they come in thinking, and maybe we did when we were young, cock of the walk and you know, all that shit. Right. We get some guys with no experience and it's like, dude, you're not tough. Right. You're going to figure out yeah. real quick
0: that you're not tough. And that's what I tell and people all the time. maybe you are
2: tough and you want to whip my old ass. But let me tell you what we talked about earlier. Yeah. You're going to know about <laughs> it. You're going to remember. There was a couple
0: times me and you blew up. And I like I talked about, we didn't always get along. We had s- several spats. <laughs> and this is one of the funniest stories with the three musketeers. Oh, I, I've been thinking about that all week. <laughs> so I'll let you tell the story. Uh, Yeah. I'll get one coming.
2: All right. So, and this is one of the reasons I hate nights anymore, is because idle hands are the devil's playground. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So we're on nights, and we're bored, and we're, you know. We're dudes, so we right. do stupid shit. Yeah. And
0: there's. uh, And, of course, it's like <laughs> we always had food. And like somebody, we had this. This gal that worked on her crew, she was like the crew mom. Yeah. She took care of everybody. She would bring snacks, and she'd bring bags of candy. Well, the nurses would have candy,
2: and, you know, so I have this Three Musketeers, fun size, and I'm just needing it in the package. (laughs) It was old, if I remember
0: right. It was, like, old and dried out. It
2: was probably, but I worked it, and I heated it up. I worked it, and I got it into, like, a torpedo shape from what I could tell in the wrapper. Right. And I'm just working it and Drew's working on the same tower. I am. and I don't even know what transpired. I up can't until even remember that. what we were arguing, but with I don't something... even think we were arguing until no, We then. were arguing about something and it blew up and I don't, I don't even remember, but he leaves the tower. I went to leave the tower. You went to, you were in process of leaving said area. And I sidearm this three musketeers <laughs> that's shaped like a freaking torpedo at him. It was slow. and if anybody knows me, I'm not that athletic i hey, thanks, Bubby. You know I can swing a bat, I can throw a football, I can shoot a hoop, but if you want me to do anything consistent <laughs> you're not looking in the right area for me but. <laughs> But I fucking <laughs> sidearm this thing across the tower, which is living room size for you people that don't know. Maybe smaller. It's a
0: small glass box.
2: Den sized, maybe. And. I miss people's heads, monitors, yeah, desks, like, whatever. It
0: was like some shit from
2: the Matrix. <laughs> right. <laughs> Straight through this room of obstacles <laughs> and Bean drew right in the ear hole <laughs> and dropped him. And I like have. he went to a knee, <laughs> came up, didn't know whether to fight me, cry, call for medical. He didn't know what to do. He was <laughs> pissed. <laughs> the most pissed I've ever seen him and I've known oh, him for fifteen years. I was so fucking mad. He wanted to fight. I wanted to fight real he bad. Wanted to fight. And that's not the first deputy
0: that's wanted to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> I was hot because I had my earpiece in. I wore the surefire earpieces at the time. And you hit that and it like <laughs> fucking <laughs> that like straight into my ear hole. I'm like, what I are the was the like odds. my ear was it was like hot and hurt <laughs> and i couldn't it was whistling like all i could hear was like that sh- sh- high pitch whistle oh man i was like i'm fuck you i'm not coming back to this tower for the rest of the night i left i went up to book him and just pouted just he's pouted like, he
2: mad at me oh like, my god i heard his feelings that's one but, of but the drew's best. a
0: solid dude he didn't go and cry about
2: it to no, anybody important i didn't it's, but yeah i'm better than that but like yeah we'll be 80 years old or he won't be, but I'll be 80 <laughs> years old. He'll be 70 something. And remember that time you took mm-hmm. a three musketeers to the ear hole? And what are the odds of it hitting you in the ear well, hole? Well, and it, like, I didn't even see it
1: coming.
0: <laughs> like, I guess that's what makes me so mad about it. Like, made me so I'm mad I'm just walking my you're mom's like, business. <laughs> you like Randy Johnson, that fucker. Like, zing! Just, like,
2: man. And if I tried it a thousand more times, you would be safe. And I think it
0: was. <laughs> I think it was TR that was running the tower that night. Cause I, when I stood up and like looked across that <laughs> fucking tower at you and just wanted to tear my head off,
2: like everybody in there knew I was mad. Yep. That and, happened to me so to I'm, another deputy. <laughs> and you know him. <laughs> anyway, we're in booking and neither one of us was assigned to booking. We're just up there, you know? <laughs> just uh, hanging out, killing time, trying and, not to fall um, asleep at night. Right. No, this was during day shift. <laughs> okay. So there's people about and everything and there's a nurse there and she had a sharpie or he had a sharpie and he smells it, you know, cause he doesn't like the smell of sharpie. Right? <laughs> I'm like, do that again. He smells it. I tap his elbow and it goes about three quarters <laughs> up his nose to his brain. He's got a blue streak from his lip, <laughs> up his nose. And I'm sure it's painful because it goes to the part of your nose where things aren't supposed to go. Except the COVID test. (laughs) Yes. And so he's in that back property room, you know, that side room. Right. And um, he wants to fight. (laughs) And I'm back there because he bull rushes me back there i'm like you don't want to fight i know i mean you
1: do but we shouldn't
2: <laughs> fight you right. know and i mean he's little, he's younger than me about my size you know so it's not like he's no schlep right and the nurse is laughing so hard she's pissing her pants <laughs> he's in there so mad and you know how so mad is because yeah. you've been so you've mad made me at that me. mad <laughs> <laughs> he's that mad it's like you know doesn't know what to do Knows if we fight, I am going to fight back. And like we've said, it's not going to be easy. (laughs) I'm not saying I couldn't, that he could whip me or couldn't whip me. He probably could. But again, we're at work. We probably shouldn't do this. Ha ha. I'm sorry. (laughs) 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 Go wipe that blue shit off your face. (laughs) We get done and he cools down enough because he knows he shouldn't fight at work, which he shouldn't. And he just leaves. Right. And the nurse is still laughing her ass right off
0: it's like for the listeners <laughs> you watch the scene in die hard in the first one when the guy comes storming out of the boardroom and he's throwing shit and john mcclain's wife is like john's still alive because he's the only person who can make anybody that mad right
2: kind of like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certain occasions Oh, I mean, I have that effect on people, but really, I'm just trying to have some fun. Well, and I
0: I must say that some of my funnest times working up there, you were involved. Oh, yeah. Like when we were doing, I think you were there when we were doing wheelchair wheelies, like trying to balance in the oh, wheelchair yeah. and we ate shit. We yeah, I was never ourselves. good at that
2: because I tried it at the prison too. Oh, We did so- that at the prison in the clinic and... I never got the balance part because yeah. I was too scared to fall backwards. Yeah. But we did races down the hallway and I ran your knuckles over and yeah. you were mad. Yes. Rubbing Robin's racing is what they told me. I don't think you were there, but we got, we got a new
0: corporal at one point in our careers. And we got yelled at because we were, we had this, we call it the mile. There's this, mm-hmm. it's what, about 200 yards. I don't know. I've never stepped it out. I've never stepped it out either. But we got this hallway that's, I would say it's about 200 yards. And, uh, we were, we had these huge rolls of toilet paper and me and two other dudes were shuffleboarding these. Shuffleboarding. With push brooms. It was me. Yeah, it was you.
2: And I know which corporal it was that got mad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, uh. He yelled at us and said he was going to write us up. So then we went into the rec yard with a racquetball. <laughs> <laughs> we are throwing a racquetball around. And we're just trying to stay awake because there's nothing to do at night in there. Right, like All I the said. inmates are sleeping. You do your walkthroughs every so often. And other than like a fighter coming into in, to bookend, you got nothing to look forward to until right. shift change so idle hands
2: yep and that so was you make up stupid games like the other one we used to play was toilet paper football yeah with the barbie doll paper not the yeah the john waynes were shuffleboard, yep, and then <laughs> they had the small
0: rolls <laughs> the barbie dolls and then we could see it we we had this big rack and the ceiling is about what would you say almost 30 feet mm, it's up there you know it's probably close to three stories high and we would see well, how high...
2: it's one flight of stairs plus. So yeah. A story and a half, I guess.
0: And we would sit there and see how many rolls of toilet paper we could <laughs> throw up on top of it to get it to stack all the way to the ceiling. Just dumb shit like that.
2: Yeah, just stupid shit. Yeah. And that's what gets you in trouble. I've got the right <laughs> to prove that. Yep. I have more than a few. I
0: think... I would say two-thirds of the write-ups that I've had in my career were from the jail. Oh, in the man. jail. Easily.
2: Well, 100% of mine were. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's,
0: at this point, that's a fraction of, you know, the time that I've done. Mm-hmm. Literally, it's, you know, a third of the time that I've done. So, yeah, that's, I, I look back very fondly. At the time, I was like, man. This guy's an asshole. No, it was <laughs> like, this job, like, this position is a stepping stone to get me to the next one. Like I didn't look at it as anything that I wanted to enjoy. It was just something to get me onto the next step, which was to patrol.
2: Yeah. But this is what I'm going to say about that. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's what you have me here for. Go ahead. Is some people look at that and they don't invest in the jail. Yeah. Where I think you did. Yeah. You did your job. You knew your job you didn't go to the street in a year and a half or two years you, right you put in your time and you worked it mm-hmm. we get guys now that think they're too good for the jail or jail work is beneath them or they were promised the street and everybody's they, has a chance they're not vested mm-hmm. so they do the bare minimum or less yep which If you don't care about it, then why do you do it at all? Right. You know, and I understand that you're saying that it was not even a stepping stone. It's a foot in the door. Well, but that's how I looked at it at the time. And now looking back at it, like the,
0: the experience that I gained in my time up there is immeasurable. One, I learned to work as a part of a team. That's probably the most important. Like, even if it's people... You don't like. Even if it's people that <laughs> on that day you don't fucking like them and you want to strangle them, no matter what, if they're in shit, I'm coming. Right. And I'm going to help them, and I know that they would do the same for me no matter what. Two, I learned how to talk to people.
2: I learned how to build rapport with people in different capacities. And speak their language, you know. And sure. Like when I lived in the South or when I did telemarketing way back when, like, I couldn't get a real job. Um. If you call the East Coast and talk slow, they're going to hang up on you. Right. If you call the South and you talk fast, they're going to hang up on you. Yep. You know, you have to speak the language Mm -hmm. and you do learn that in a confinement setting because you're always interacting with people or you should be. Right. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, you learned like I learned to, I learned a lot about dangerous people. I learned how to talk and deal with them and how to negotiate with them. Body language. Body language. I learned threat indicators. I learned, but my, I'm telling you, man, like learning to talk to people that want to fight with you and then learning when the talking needs to fucking stop. That's probably the biggest lessons. Like when, it, when the talking is over. Right. And when it's time
2: to ask, well, like our- ask tell, make. Our original corporal said, there's no reason not to be nice. Be nice until there is a reason. Right. There is very much like you know, like Roadhouse. Be nice, be nice, be nice <laughs> yes. until it's time to not be exactly. nice. Exactly. And again, I think that's why our department emphasizes jail time. Yep. yep. You so. have to, you're assigned to detention, work confinement. And I think that's why is because one, if you have major problems... It can kind of be contained. Yep. And they can figure it out and either correct it or get rid of you. Yep. And two, you do learn those. What you're saying is invaluable lessons that because it's concentrated people. Yep. You know, it's not like you go to the grocery store, you interact with people, but really you talk to three of them out of 50. Right. You know, you go into a pod and they're all on your leg. Right.
0: <laughs> like, hey, hey,
2: hey, hey, Like everybody gotta, wants and, something from and you. And you know, like Tiny says, you're problem solving
0: yeah, and know. I learned that's that's another important point. File this under sage advice. I learned never to give my word that I would do something if I knew I couldn't turn yep. in me fair, would, firm, and consistent. I would never step out and say I promise that I will do X, Y, Z for you if I wasn't going to do it. Like if I promise, have the ability, right? If I promised somebody that I was going to do something for them, I was going to do it, and I kept my word. And
2: again, that's how you build rapport and respect from these people. It's yep. like, hey, that dude's a solid, dude. And it backfires on me because I've been doing it for so long and I've been doing it that way. And this is the other side of that coin is if I tell you I'm going to do something and I don't do it, I come and apologize to them. And I say, hey, did you ever get those whatever? Right. A pair of chonies that you're asking for. No, I didn't. Okay, I'll go get them right now. I'm sorry. I forgot yesterday. I didn't just blow you off. Yep. Because, because of you know deal. me, if I'm yeah. going to blow you off, I'm going to blow you <laughs> off to your face. Right. I'm going to say, no, I ain't doing that. Well, and then, then, they, then they get all butt hurt and we like, why? Cause I don't have to, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I've never told an inmate, never say never, but normally don't tell an inmate I'm going to do something and then don't follow through. And there's times where I didn't follow through, but it was. Other circumstances right. come up. I did plumb forget, or something came up, you right. know, in the jail to, that needed my time, and I just didn't have time to right. come back to that. But later on, you apologized and you made it right. Yeah, I apologized and ask them, "Hey, did you get those copies made? Did you get those clothes? Did you right. get those shoes? You know?" And like, I see dudes in busted shoes, and I just go get them. Right? They don't ask me for shoes. I see them in busted shoes. Right. And a lot of times, like, and to me, that's like. You know, the department is always like, you know, you don't want to do anything that reflects poorly on us. We need to have a good public image. Sure. Well, if we're providing these clothes and they're in tatters and they have to go out on a travel order, what does that say when or you Or court? See, or court and they got busted ass shoes. Right. And maybe it's cause I was poor growing up like we all were, yeah. but mom always had us in shoes. Yeah. You know, mom always fed us dinner. Yeah. So, if I see an inmate with busted shoes, I just go get them for them. Yeah. What size?
0: That was one that, you know, one that I would do my best to go out of my way. If people are like, hey, man, I got court today. Look at these pants. Mm-hmm. They're they're shredded. Like, they're all tattered and stained, you know. Because, yeah. like, you get old uniforms that get cycled through 300 inmates, right. you know. I mean, they're four or five years old. But sure. And those people would remember that. And I we talked about this on the last episode with Shannon that, there was a couple times where fights would break out in the pod, and you'd run in there by yourself. Like, I had this on one specific occasion. I was doing meds with our nurse. I remember that and one, she too. she was like, I miss her. She knows who she is. She's listening. Yeah. We miss you. And this fight broke out, and this dude went at another guy with a push broom. So I pushed her and the cart out of the way and just ran into the pod by myself. And this was... Months before I had gone to the academy, so I had two pairs of handcuffs and my good Irish charm. <laughs> right, <laughs> I didn't have no fucking pepper spray. We weren't allowed to carry batons at the time. I didn't. Ha- I wasn't taser qualified.
2: We didn't Nothing. have tasers.
0: Well, we had tasers, the, but we M- didn't 26's carry them. Sixes the and there was two of them. Yeah, and they ran on double A batteries. You hear bop, it tick, bop, tick, tick, bop, tick, bop, tick. Bop, tick, bop. tick. <laughs> and anyway. I ran in there, and I'm, you know, like I said, five nine. Hundred and seventy pounds, maybe by then, because I've been sitting on my ass for six months. Mm-hmm. I run in between that pod, and these two dudes are, you know, six to 320 pounds each. You know, on the hoof, big dudes swinging a fucking push broom at each other like samurai warriors. <laughs> and I'd literally jumped in the middle of them, in between them, and another inmate jumped in and helped out, like got a hold of one mm-hmm. of those dudes. And still to this day, when I ran it, like a couple months, well, when I was still working patrol. He was tweaking out at the Maverick and got called in. That's what went he over does. Like, hey, man, how's it going? like, remember that time that I broke up that fight? And it's was like, yeah. I hate to keep bringing up stuff that I talked about in the last episode, but that's the way it is around here. Right. You just see those people over and over and over again. And I'm thankful that he did that. But like Shannon said, he was like, you stole my story from me. I could have got my head bashed with a push broom. And like, that could have <laughs> been a cool story. But at the same time, he... You know, talking to him later is like, it's because you're always cool and you're respectful for me, respectful to me. And because like one of the times that I talk to you, you treat me like a human being. And that dude can fight or could back
2: back then he could fight back Back then then he could fight. fight. Yeah. I mean, those other two dudes were no slouches, but that dude. can. Yeah. He not smart enough not to. (laughs) And he hit like a sledgehammer. You're
0: going to be smarter. You're going to be tough. He was
2: definitely a boy named Sue. Yeah. And he was one of the first our corporal back in the day. Yep, he's the first inmate that this dude that corporal warned me about. That dude hits like a sledgehammer, lightning fast. Yep, I seen him hit a dude three times before the dude even knew he got hit once. Yep, like you get hit once, you stagger back, put up your dukes. No, this dude hits you three times before you. Yep. you're fucked. And he hit hard. Yep, he slowed down a lot. Oh, I've seen yeah. him last he's... week. He's... He has. Well, the you know the years of hanging dope has drug abuse really really took its toll. Bad on Bad choices hand. and drug abuse catches up to you. Don't do yeah. drugs.
0: So we covered sage advice. Um, what's one piece of gear that you carry every day that has like game changer gear? Uh, game changer. I mean, something that has like <laughs> vastly improved like how your comfort level during the day. Or just something that you use every day. Not
2: army issue or department issue. No, it doesn't
0: have to be department issued, but something it's that you a, use like at work.
2: Okay. It is. Are you ready? <laughs> it is a K bar tactical spork. Okay. <laughs> I okay. Put it in my vest because they give me a vest that holds all right. kinds of shit. On my right side it's candy. <laughs> right. Got a tactical candy holder. I look like a Peruvian general some days. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have a tactical it's a K bar tactical sure. sport. And I can eat whenever I don't have to <laughs> I don't have to look for an inmate spoon, look for right. any kind of disposable spoon. Yep. And It's they're eight dollars. I mean, I'm not trying to plug it. I'm not getting anything for it. But (laughs) we're not sponsored. (laughs) We're not not sponsored. (laughs) We 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 need to be. But uh, um, I have cuffs. Sometimes I have a radio. So you, I remember (laughs) when I first started.
0: Like I remember because I obviously I came straight from the military. So the uniform standard to me was like God Almighty. Mm -hmm. You know, cut dried and our sergeant. (laughs) <laughs> at the time if you're listening top he was a retired army first sergeant so he was also a stickler about the uniform standard mm-hmm. and scott was the only guy on the crew wearing like tennis shoe type you know short ankle boots mm-hmm. that were like super comfortable looking so here i am in Danner acadias that take you know 30 years to break in <laughs> i feel like you're walking on fucking river rocks and i remember scott like wearing tennis shoes and i'm like man how do you get away with that he's like Fuck them, comfortable footwear. I'm the one that's got to wear them around every day. Right. And that was another note that I kind of took to heart was like, you know what? If I'm going to be walking on concrete for 12 hours a day, comfortable footwear is worth spending the money on. And he
2: always asked everybody, are those boots comfortable?
0: Because <laughs> yeah. he wore jungle boots. Right. He wore old
2: Ultima steel shank jungle boots, jungle boots. every day. And I'm like,
0: man, how are you not dying? And
2: um, I wore Ultima light speeds then. And then I had a pair of black Nike mm-hmm. low tops that yep. I wore for a couple of years. And I wear baits now. Yeah. Because they're pretty lightweight, supportive. Yeah, I like them for the most part. They a, last a long time. I'm a Solomon guy. I like them. Once I started wearing Solomons,
0: they just oh yeah, like zero break in. They're the best. Are they cushy? Yeah. Depends on the model. Depends on what you got to try a different couple,
1: couple See, different ones. I got ones.
2: fat feet. So Danners never worked. Oh, yeah. And then when Danners came out with their wides, I tried them on, and my I couldn't get them off my foot fast enough. And I'm at (laughs) a pretty pretty known shoe sports store, Mm -hmm. and they look at me like I just spit in their eye. Right. Because these are brand-new, top-line Danners. Right. And exactly what you say, river rocks. Yep. And... They just didn't hit me. I've never worn a pair of Danners.
0: Yeah. I had a pair of Strikers, the Danters, or the original Danner Strikers. My first bottom when I started at the jail, and I wore them the whole time I worked up there. After, they do last forever. Right. Well, I had the Acadias, and I wore those for about five minutes, and then was like, I need something more comfortable, and I bought those Strikers, and they were those were way better. But my but. first
2: day at work at this department, show up to the – center and our sergeant it's five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Five thirty. Oh dark thirty.
0: Yeah. Cause if you were if you weren't there at briefing was at six. But if you, if you weren't there by yeah. Started at five forty shift change actual yeah. was at six. If you weren't there by five twenty, you were late. Five
2: fifteen. Yeah. And I was never there. And you'd show up and everybody just sit there and fucking stare at each yeah, other like in briefing. Anyway, so I show up, and him and our corporal were out smoking and joking right outside the entrance door. First thing this dude, and he knows I'm assigned to his crew. Right. First thing you do, and it's dark out. Right. Looks down to see if my boots are fucking polished. (laughs) All right. You know? Right. I mean, I did respect him. I did like him. I did work for him. I Mm -hmm. did work for him. Many good times. Yeah. Yeah. But but now you can wear fucking suede shoes.
0: Yeah. T- shoes. They change, changed our policy to where yeah. you can wear like, like a lot of the, so when I work fair, I bought a pair of like the, uh, like the Dr. Scholl's mm. like restaurant shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when I work fair, I wear those bastards and it's like, <laughs> I'm looking at these all clothes, day. they're nursing shoes that my daughter bought. Okay. And they make them in black. Right. So I'm trying to see if she likes them, I and mean, she's kind of still on the fence. But they look super cooky. <laughs> <Well, laughs> and they're just a you know, low top like we're those getting Nikes up there, I dude, had, like, Right?
0: That's I, that's another reason we were talking earlier about red dot sights on pistols. That's oh, another yeah. reason why I've made the transition to red dot sights on pistols because my eyes are getting so fucking bad. That, my eyes were always bad. Yeah. Man. So and it's a perishable skill, right? It's uh Man, I think
2: we've we've covered a lot of ground tonight. Oh yeah, holy crap! I, I, we needed a whole episode of Sage Advice though, because yeah. I got it for new people. So and not just and it just it does apply to detention. But you can, like you said, you yeah. can take it to the street or dude. Um, it served me well, detectives like, or special assignment. Yeah. You know, it's just like fundamentals. If yep. you don't have the fundamentals, you're not. Yeah. you know, you're not born a super cop. Right, you know? so.
0: Basically, the way I look at it, like I'm it's an analogy and I'm no by no means Lance Armstrong, but <laughs> he had to learn to ride a bike at some point, right? Right. That was me learning to ride the bike, was working at the jail. And I like now looking back at it, I can't I wouldn't be who I am and what I do without it. Right. I couldn't have that that foundation and to stand like on. Like
2: I said, there's a lot of people that they're using it as a stepping stone to get to what they want to do, right? But they are not vested in learning how to do the job that they're doing now. Yeah, you know. And I think all a big they're part doing of that is looking forward. That
0: our lieutenant and at the time, because I had a conversation with him, and rest in peace, he's passed away since then. Um, one of the best guys I ever worked for, absolutely, hands top, down, top two or three, Easy. hands down, top three. I had a conversation with him one time because I had he found out that I had gone and tested for another agency for a patrol position in another municipality outside of our agency. And he found out about it because the chief from that agency and him were buddies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So word got around because I never until I didn't tell him I didn't want him to know that I was trying to leave. He pulled me into his office and he's like, close the door. I'm like, oh, ah,
2: son of a bitch. Like, here we go.
0: some like, you know, the, the quick Rolodex run through of, like, right. what have I done this week? And uh, he sits me down, and he's like, look, I never asked you to stay here forever. Like, you know, because he was there from day one in my job interview, mm-hmm. you know. He's like, I never ask anybody to stay forever, but I ask you to commit to your time that you're here. Like, while you're here and you're trying to go somewhere else, like, I want you to do your job and do it as best you can. And that was like, okay, I owe you that, you know? And I had only been there for a year,
2: year and a half, maybe at that point. Yeah. There's people that, and again, that Lieutenant was, I mean, yeah, he was, he was the one that I'm not even going to say he was special. He was not unique. He was just a solid dude. Yeah. And he knew difference between right and wrong. And he wasn't trying to. Him, was, nobody up, he, he was, was the, <laughs> you know, and he, and, and, and a lot of these new guys, they need to hear that. Yeah. Be vested. Right. You know, this is what you're doing now, mm-hmm. you know, and like back to your, you know, confinement days, you, you look at it and these new bucks and new bucks over the years, not just this year's crop, but right. over the last 15 years, yep. they want to kick ass take names and it's like, Less than ten percent of your job, dude, right? You need to learn the other ninety percent, yep, which is interaction, problem solving, yep, doing the mundane shit, feeding, mopping, yep. whatever that what I call or what they call exciting, I call work, right is it was such a sliver of the whole thing mm-hmm.
0: Did it was I mean seven years from the time that I started at the jail until I got on SRT. So like, well, no, probably closer to eight, eight years. And I've been on SRT for another eight. Here mm-hmm. I am, at, you know, almost 16, you know, so I, it took a long time. It was not overnight. We got people that, you know, they were lucky enough to make the cut at two years at the benchmark mm-hmm. and make it onto patrol and,
2: like that's all fine and good but that don't make you special or better than the the you or other deputies that i respected as a jailer right and i respect them as a road deputy you know just because you make it at two years and it took them four five eight yeah that don't make you any better Mm -hmm. and
0: well like look at i got one guy that you know, he's from the same, he's one of my best friends. He has been for more Before than 20 jail. years. More than 20 years. Uh, you know, we were in the military together. He started a year after me, so 2007, at the sheriff's office, and he just now is transferring out to patrol.
2: He but he just now wanted time. to, Yeah, too. And that's
0: what he was like, you know what? <laughs> I feel like I need a change. So he, we're going to get it. He's going to be on the show eventually. Oh, yeah.
2: And that's going to be
0: fucking hilarious because that guy that
2: guy is nuts
0: oh man I don't even know how
2: he gets through life <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'll be on the show if he's on the show again yeah I mean I'd, I'd like to do get this all night I could really. I'd love to get, get a crew
0: like I want to get your sergeant on here okay I want to get I w- I'd like to get her and her husband on together because that'd be interesting you have <laughs>
1: sergeant and then sergeant <laughs> yeah
2: insert last name then the real sergeant yes insert last name
0: <laughs> but i'd like to get like you and tiny on here together because i know that'd be a riot um so have you talked to him about this no i haven't i was gonna it's, it's been very word of mouth as of yet
2: i was gonna ask you via the f- smartphone thing yeah Cause remember back in the day when our sergeant would be like I got my ass ringed because people are got phones on and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> Drew, where's your phone? And is it off? And then so and so is, where's your phone? Fo- Scott, uh, you don't even have a phone. So <laughs> this doesn't pertain to you. You didn't you know? get a cell phone till like 2010. Right. And I, uh, I got a smartphone. I had to. You just yeah, have to, you, you know, have because to. you got kids and stuff and there's yeah. apps and you got to track it. And hell, you. Like, you don't, haven't had a vehicle
0: with power windows probably until the last five years, right? No, my truck doesn't
2: have power windows. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Remember when we went rabbit hunting and I stuck you in the truck and it was hot and you're like, fuck, dude took the keys. Yes. Because I went in to get sodas for us. And, yes. Or bangs or energy <laughs> drinks. And then you're like, oh, I'm a dumbass. It's a hand crank. Yes. <laughs> Same so truck, same truck.
0: One of the other, is still that white one? Yeah, oh, same okay. truck.
2: It's in the shop now because it's having electrical issues, not not window <laughs> issues. But. So one of the other
0: things that I talk about with people is your distractions. Like what's your number one distraction that you're into that has nothing to do with our work or law enforcement? <sighs> or Sleep. Well, I know you've been doing, <laughs> I saw you've been doing leather work.
2: I did start doing leather work and what drill? shout out to uh A Aaron oh. cuz he um gave me a big piece of leather okay. and some tools okay and um so i always give props to that dude right and um i bought the Ruger Wrangler okay single action cowboy gun and it's affordable
0: so my experience so my dad my uncle my brother well both my uncles On my stepdad's side, and then my dad's brother, all start, they all do leather work. And it always spurs from like, well, I can't find a holster for XYZ. So I'm just going to fucking make one. Right.
2: And it is, you know, invention is the necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't even that because the Ruger Wrangler is off of the Ruger single six. Yeah. It's, it's like that just
0: $189 yeah. little six shooter.
2: Yeah. And it's the same frame. Yeah. Um, um The frame is alloy okay. instead of steel. Sure. And so it's $200 versus $600. Right. And so me and I bought my son one, and my nephew has one, and his dad has one. Nice. And his dad had a Rough Rider. Oh, yeah. But I never liked them. Yeah. They're kind of junky. His is pretty sweet, though. I ain't going to lie. His yeah. is, he must be a Wednesday gun. Yeah, right. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> made in the middle of the week. But so um, for Christmas, I got one, and I got my kid one. and Then my nephew got one. Sure. Then his dad felt left out, and so he <laughs> bought one. And um, I almost bought
0: it. a set for the boys because I was like, man, 100 on um, yeah. sale at Christmas. They were like 169 yeah. something like that. It was and like- they're... I haven't papered mine. We just went out well, it's and a, shot. it's but... a Ruger. Like, a Ruger revolver is a fucking bank vault with a trigger on it. Right. Like, <laughs> there ain't a Ruger revolver around since
2: the dawn of Ruger revolvers that isn't a worthwhile firearm. Right. And so when they put these Wranglers out in 2019, and you never saw them until 2020. right? And then Christmas came, and like you said, they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I buy the gray one, and... My kid wants the black one, and my nephew got the bronze one, and then my brother got the bl- another black one. Sure, and they make holsters for them, yeah, and specific to that. And they're seventy five bucks, you know, which ain't bad. You know, I mean, you right. go through holsters more than anybody. Oh I've God! But met. I'm a Kydex guy because I need them to, you know. Oh, I love me
0: some Kydex. Attention. Yeah, I mean. My
2: duty, well, I had What that, you
0: got to do is you got to find you a hook. You got to find you a fucking Kydex dealer, a guy. Find you a Kydex guy that makes you, shout out to Cascadia Holster, Cascadia <laughs> Concealment. Like, he's also a full-time law enforcement guy. It's a little tough to get holsters ordered from. Do I know him? No, no, he's in he's in Washington, oh, Washington right. State. But if you can get, if you can get in on the wait times... Again, the money not, on a we're holster. Not
2: sponsored. <laughs> I'm not sponsored
0: by Cascadia Concealment. However, this is a free plug. So if you want to hit me up, like <laughs> we'll work it out. Right. I, I've got a considerable amount of plastic from C- Cascadia. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then I had a local guy, a buddy, of mine on the SWAT team that was that was making holsters for a while, and he's cooked up a few for me because I got some weird guns that. And like,
2: see, and that's the thing, you know, like you're saying, your family is like sure well, I don't want to pay $120 for a holster. Which how hard can it be? Yeah, I'll just make one. I just wanted to make one for shits and giggles. Right. And maybe a little bit of bushcraftness, because I'm kind of into that right mm-hmm. now. Not that I believe that there's going to be a collapse of the economy. <laughs> but if there is, like things our grandfathers did has been lost to us. And yeah. I'm 46 years old. Right. So anybody younger than me by 10, 15 years they don't have any reference of bushcraft, right. you know. They can't jump start a car. Can't jump start a car. Can't change a know? fucking tire or anything. You know, they they hear about rubbing two sticks together, but do they know what the outcome <laughs> is supposed to be? You know? Right. So you know, and and I have an uncle that's into flint napping and he's okay. good at it. And he's nice. well he's done it a lot of years. He's the one who taught me how to reload. Right. He's and eighty some years old and So, uh, Scott
0: and uh, another one of our coworkers many years ago, I I had learned to hand load as a kid with old loader mm. kits, and, you know, popping off primers and scaring the shit out of yourself. <laughs> and these guys, like, were reloading all the time and cooking up hand loads for their rifles and for their forty fours and got me back into reloading for a long time, and then I just got lazy. I still have everything all set up. I just, me too. I still have a ton of components. I just haven't been doing it because it's like, meh. as you like, I get enough ammo. Like, to sh- train, shooting is work for me anymore. Like, see, I it's still
2: recreational. And I mean, I hand load my hunting loads just because they work. Right. And they're not better in factory, they're cheaper in factory in there. Right. And if you have the components, they're
0: available. I, I think part of it is that, um, that pride and craftsmanship like i made that you know and then i then i went if it killed something and now i'm feeding my family
2: with it or if it doesn't work you know why (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you don't know why and you got to track it down that happens too but you know so i it it, it's hand in hand and i'm getting into that like forging fire knife making sure my kid watched a bunch of those with me and he wants to do it so yeah I've got a little coffee can forge at home. Oh, nice! I haven't finished it yet. That'll probably be this week or next week. I got all, everything to put it together. Right. I'm building an AR. Yeah. And I'm see that's the beauty of one shift part, work. Like I'm missing one. What are you missing? Part. It's a gas tube roll pin. You got one? I think I do. I need it. I think it's. A, I got one in my office. I might have to procure that. Yeah, I bought ten of them for nine bucks or a hundred of them. I don't even know how. Yeah, I don't want to wait. I got all the other parts <laughs> to put this gun together, and it's the first AR I built. All the okay. other ones I've bought, right? I bought that side folder, mm-hmm. traded it in on. Oh a yeah,
0: that was what like a para, it wasn't was it? A it was para. like the
2: first side
0: folding. I remember because yeah. it didn't have. Uh, Like a buffer tube on it. It was all top top spring, top Top loader shit.
2: And it was a um, ZM, I want to say his name was ZM Allen design. Okay. And Para bought the rights to make it. Right. Even though ZM still made them. They made them for a couple years. And then when they moved, they canceled it. Or discontinued it. Right. And focused more on their pistols again. Okay. And, um, well, I traded that, and I got a AR, Ruger AR. Okay. And modded it out. I mean, it's fairly stock as far as trigger, but, like, I put all my, it's either got Magpul or Troy on it. So, if it's plastic, it's Magpul. If it's steel, it's Troy.
0: Magpul cracks the fucking code. Oh, those guys.
2: I'll give them my money. Anytime. <laughs> That's, I got a mag. I'm fucking wallet.
0: telling you like they kudos to Drake and those guys, right. man. Like,
2: like you're the one who turned me on to them with the P mag. Yeah. And you, and I, I had an AR and I only ran GI steel. Yeah. And, um,
0: man, like
2: I can't you, say. You ran that one over with, <laughs> can we say his name? no let's not say his name but yeah we ran it over with the pickup you ran it over with the pickup in the mud squished it down had to dig it out yeah and i'm like okay maybe maybe they're onto something you know i
0: still those those oh those fdep mags Mm -hmm. i still have them i still run they're on my vest right in my rig right now like those are my primary mags still they're fucking i don't even know how old i took those on a deployment with me those went with me in '09. Plus,
2: it's got to be twelve plus.
0: Those deployments went to Iraq in '09. I took the I, or
2: those mags went to on deployment with me. So when I got my new AR, and I lost an ammo can full of AR mags oh, and shit. ammo, probably three hundred rounds, Ugh. and I don't even know how many mags. Probably six to just left it at the range or yep, something. Sure did. Yeah and probably 6 to 8 steel 30 rounders and one um 60 rounder. Had and one somebody of those shirt was fires. like woo! Right? payday. And anyway, Man. shit happens, whatever. I'm over right. it for the most part. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> when I got this new gun, I I don't have any steel mags. They right. I got P mags, I got a Hex mag. I've got a box of old GI mags still.
0: But the ones the that, only
2: GI mags I have are the twenty rounders and I got two yeah, of those. Yeah. I
0: love those things. All my mags are P mags, man. Yeah. Swear to swear by them. anything anything magpole. Yeah. Those guys have cracked the code and I don't know how and I don't know what it is that makes it like if I see something magpole and it's an AR accessory that it like
2: It's like craft macaroni and well cheese. Why are you gonna make, buy
0: anything else? It's gonna make me more efficient
2: and I know that it's gonna fucking last. And it's light. Yeah. You know, because like my first AR was all aluminum and steel mm-hmm. and hot. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it getting <laughs> hot. And so when I built this new AR, you know, it, well, yeah. I didn't build it. I bought that Ruger and it right. came with the A2 style. Mm-hmm. So the round yep. clamshell. Yep. And it's got the modified A post. Okay so it's wider than a gi Yeah, it's rugers but it's same same right you know gas block front sight a post and then it had your run of the mill collapsible right stripped all that stuff off well i kept the e-post of course but magpul mate and it's got a lug oh okay and I'm like, if I'm going to have a lug, I'm going to have a bayonet. <laughs> and Magpul makes a forearm to fit yep. around the lug so you can still use it instead of covering it up. Yep. And the first one I had covered it up. It stopped on the top at the A-post, but the under went further than the lug. Yeah. So then I found another one that didn't. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like I said, the handle. Right. Oh, I think the handle's a little rude. It's a hand-me-down. But, anyway yeah but the one i'm building now it's got magpul buttstock and <clears throat> handle yeah because those guys know what the fuck they're doing yeah and i appreciate, appreciate them yes and we're
0: not sponsored we're not <laughs> i'm not sponsored in any way by magpul but damn man like <clears throat> i i've bet my life on p mags and
2: like i said and other
0: people's lives on p mags more than a handful of times and
2: yeah they work and so that's all i run now yeah. for the most part they like do I wear got,
0: out like eventually if you buy like I've had a few that have split down the middle on the back side hmm. but that's it like I've never had any yeah, other problems obvious yeah well sometimes it takes a minute to figure it out and then you're and then you check it and you're oh shit
2: well that's, I had that's one of what's these, going on I can't remember it's a name brand and it's a $5 10 round mag that I bought because mm-hmm. who needs it? everybody needs a 30 round mag yeah. But when you're hunting coyotes, a ten rounder is so more handy. Yeah, I like twenty rounders.
0: Um, I like twenty
2: rounders. I got I got a twenty rounder P mag which is longer and fatter than a GI twenty rounder.
0: Most most of the time you'll see me running with a twenty round mag because it doesn't hang up on stuff. Right. Like twenty rounds will get me through Hopefully, let me, let <laughs> well, me that's knock, do some knock on Well, those. when
2: you're hunting coyotes or yeah. varmin like that, I like the 20-rounders. Well, that's what I
0: shot my deer two years ago. The little one upstairs, I'll show him to you when oh, I go yeah? back up there. Um, suppressed 14 inch barrel AR. Dang. Shooting 72-grain tap ammo, basically, with a 20-round bag. Yeah. And a 1-8 to eight strike eagle on it. <laughs> like I the, got a one The to national, eight. you know.
2: Um. Yeah, I just bought a one-day. That's what's on my. Yeah.
0: Ruger is a yeah, one-day. The eight. fucking NFA two-stamp gun feeds my family, man. Yeah, mine's a no, NFA. I don't care stamp. what you say. I don't. I mean, we're treading dangerously close to politics, which is <clears throat> against the rules of the podcast. But still, um, speaking of
2: doored up, I saw two non. Police vehicles doored up the other day, and I thought that was weird. School buses? (laughs) No, they were just civilian. Like one was a truck, one was a suburban. Like husband and wife. Or okay, here we need to talk about something. But
0: I saw a meme that was two school buses, and it was like these guys must be retired (laughs) retired cops because they're parked doored up two big (laughs) ass yellow school buses. All right, man. Well, I gotta say. This has been the best show. Like I've had the most fun yet. <laughs> it's been a good time. Best show out of two. I, I appreciate you I coming. I will come man. back to this and show and we'll get you back. You I won't... got so much shit to tell. You are, re- that you don't are care. almost legally required at this point to come back.
2: <laughs> well, thanks for having me.
0: I do appreciate it, man. Okay, so this has been episode two of the Doored Up podcast. Make sure you follow us on iTunes. We'll be at Podbean, www.thedoreduppodcast.podbean.com. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at The Doored Up Podcast, or excuse me, at Doored Up Podcast. I'm your host, Deputy Drew. It's been a great time with Scott having him tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. It's been a long one. Uh, I hope you guys come back. Leave us a comment and review wherever you find us, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe, stay frosty.